Hey, good morning. If you have a Bible and you want to grab it, go ahead. We're going to be in the book of First Peter this morning. If I had asked you back in January how you were planning on spending this Easter, there is no way that you would have told me that you and I would be spending it like this. Sheltered in place and scattered and cut off, cut off from your kids and your parents and your grandkids, from your closest friends. There is, in these days, it feels like bad news on all sides. And maybe this is why there has been a spike globally in Google searches for words like prayer and words like good news. We find ourselves reaching for meaning, reaching for purpose, and reaching for hope. And on this Easter Sunday, the good news of Jesus' life and death and resurrection offers that very hope that we are all reaching for, that we all need in a fresh and deeper way today. This morning, as we turn to the pages of 1 Peter, a letter written to scattered people in desperate need of hope, we find that there is living hope found in the person of Jesus. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 1, all the way through verse 12. Chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through verse 12. Peter, an apostle of Christ Jesus, to those who are elect exiles in the dispersion In Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory containing the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, verse 11, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. In the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. First and second Peter, the letters of Peter are written by Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends. 
Peter understands this grace and mercy that he wishes multiplied to you and to me and to his readers because he received that grace and mercy. Peter denied Jesus three times and then is restored to relationship with Jesus over a breakfast of fish by the sea shortly after Jesus is risen from the dead. Peter is writing to Christians who have been scattered across the Roman province we now call Turkey due to persecution, and he calls those scattered, suffering Christians elect exiles. Elect exiles, which might have struck their ears as some sort of ironic turn of phrase because he calls them elect. He calls them the chosen, handpicked, beloved people of God, chosen, according to verse 2, by the foreknowledge of God the Father, but he also calls them exiles. An exile is someone forced from their home country. An exile is someone forced to wander in a land they do not know, forced to suffer in a faraway place because of the strangeness and their longing from home. If you are an exile reading this, if you're one of the Christians that First Peter is written to, you don't feel elect anymore. And yet Peter calls them and calls you and I in our scattering and in our exile, elect exiles. I wander in a strange land, even though that strange land is my home. I wander in a strange land, but God's affection and purposes for me still rest on me and still rest on you. The foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ for the sprinkling of his blood, the purposes of God still rest on you and I, even in this time of exile and scattering. And so Peter says to them and to us, in this, in your exile, in your dispersion, in your scattering, in your suffering, in this you rejoice, verse 6, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus. Yes, we are grieved by various trials. The Bible is such a realistic document. But these trials, for those who follow Jesus, are, he says, necessary. The purposes of God are not void in times of suffering. In fact, they come to the foreground because in a time of suffering, my faith, your faith is being tested like gold in a furnace. The message translation helps us understand what Peter is getting at. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through suffering comes out proved genuine. And when Jesus wraps all this up, all this suffering, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. Something in the midst of our suffering and scattering due to COVID-19, something is happening beneath the surface, something that is proving or disproving our faith genuine and real. And that, that process of testing and in the furnace and suffering produces on the other end of it victory. We are scattered. We are tried. 
But because victory is in the works, Peter says something absolutely insane, something that only makes sense through the eyes of faith, that we don't just mope in this time, that we rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible. Because there is purpose, there is meaning, there is refining, there is a knowing God deeper and truer now in this time than there would be in the midst of distraction of ordinary life. We don't just mope in this present moment, we rejoice. And that's because Peter talks about our prophetic past and our secure future, which absolutely transform our experience of our present circumstances. So I want to look at our prophetic past and our secure future and how that that translates into a renewed experience in our present circumstance. So jump down to verses 10 through 12, where Peter says, we have a prophetic past. That is... We didn't get here by accident. We, we got to this salvation life, this way of Jesus, by the foreknowledge of God, he says in verse 2. And foreknowledge simply means knowledge that comes before. And God has been working, has been working out a salvation plan, a story of joy and peace and righteousness. He has been working on this for you and I for a long, long time. So he says in verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied back thousands of years ago in the time of the Old Testament, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he had predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. See God's rescue plan launched to respond not to the deadly coronavirus, but the even more deadly soul sickness called sin. God's rescue plan has been in the works for ages. And long ago, prophets foresaw the coming of Jesus, foresaw his sufferings, foresaw the subsequent glories, and they wondered when this rescue plan was going to happen. And as they prophesied thousands of years ago, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, revealed to them that it was not then, but among us, among you and I, among that, those first Christians on that first Easter Sunday. And even now, in the midst of the scattering and suffering and trial, we are experiencing and being ministered to by their words. Peter says that what we are experiencing right now This good news of a risen Jesus ruling and reigning with the Father through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is a gift into which angels long to look. And the sense of this isn't a kid trying to kind of peek into his presence on Christmas morning to see what's in there. No, it's actually parents watching their kids unwrap the gifts. That's how angels experience this. Even now, angels in heaven lean forward to watch what is happening across live stream waves right now. There is a past on which we are riding, a momentum, a wave that we are carried along by, a prophetic past. God has been working. And we didn't get here by accident or chance. Hear me on this. If you just happen to be scrolling through today, 
If you happened to be scrolling through a few weeks ago and said, I don't mind this, and you're watching now for the second or third week, you did not get here by accident. You're being carried along by the foreknowledge of God, a plan put into action ages ago, and now a plan that is unfolding in a way that has all of heaven holding its breath. God has been working out his purposes, and his purposes lead to a secure future. We have a prophetic past. We have a secure future. He says this in verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation to be revealed at the last time. The prophets sought hints of a resurrection, and that resurrection causes those who place their faith and trust in Jesus to be born again into a new reality, a reality marked by a secure future. We are born into a new family, Peter says, and when we are born into that family, we are given an inheritance. Now, you and I, as Westerners in the 21st century, think of inheritance as something that we receive after our parents die. But that's not what happens. An inheritance in the biblical imagination is something to which you have full legal claim to right now, even while your parent still lives. Something that you have full legal claim to right now, even as your parent lives. In other words, our inheritance does not come to us after we die, and it does not come to us after our spiritual parents die. It comes to us now. We have full legal right to our inheritance, which is being kept undefiled, unblemished in heaven for us imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and our inheritance is being kept. And what's even better is that so are we. Even now in the midst of scattering, even now in the midst of exile, we are being kept by God's power through faith. Even in the midst of cancer and depression and anxiety, in the midst of a marriage that quarantine has made harder for you, in the midst of dysfunction amplified by shelter in place, in the midst of financial challenges, in the midst of some of you sending your spouse to work, in the midst of some of you knowing that your kids are going to work every day and literally in this season putting their lives on the line for others, he says that you have a secure future that we can have confidence because of this. We are being guarded by God's power through faith, or as Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Our prophetic past, a rock-solid foundation that cannot be moved, reveals a secure future. At a deeper understanding of our past being rooted in it and and a deeper hope tying ourselves to our future, that revelation of Jesus, that when all of what we believe and hope for comes true, that redefines our present. See, Peter is trying to get his readers' eyes off their present circumstances for just a second. He is trying to get them looking at something more real and more true. Yes, they're suffering due to persecution and poverty and all the other things that go along with this, which we'll talk about in the weeks to come. That is real. 
but it is not the most real. The most real is, is their past, a move of God upon which they still ride. What's most real is their future that draws them forward and that redefines their present. He wants their eyes off their circumstances for just a second so that when they look back, they see their present circumstances in the clear light of day. Peter says, you have a prophetic past. Even if you have not claimed the name of Jesus and you're watching this today, even if you have not laid down, decided to lay down your life to become an apprentice of Jesus, if you are listening to this live stream this morning, it is not by accident. It is not a surprise to God, and quite frankly, it is not a surprise to me because before you even gave God one of your thoughts, he was, you were on his mind constantly. And even before you took the first step toward him, he took the first step toward you. Heaven has been conspiring for millennia to bring you to this moment. To show you your secure future that you can have through faith in Jesus. See, if you have claimed the name of Jesus and placed yourself under his kingdom rule, your future is securely held in the scarred and victorious hands of Jesus who with the same power by which he created the world guards you until the end of days. And even in the midst of this circumstance, when it feels like he has his eye off the ball and he's not guarding you, his promise is that there is something certain to come. And so here's what happens if you give careful and open-minded and open-hearted and full-hearted consideration to these things. It stirs up your affections It stirs up something in your heart. So Peter says, though you have not seen him, Jesus, though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. Peter has a unique perspective on this. Peter got to see Jesus. And now he's writing to people that never have. And he says to them, I know what this feels like because I did see him and now I don't. You never have. But though we do not see him, we love him. Though we do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. This is verses 8 and 9, because verse 9 says, Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Careful consideration of our past and our future transforms our present by changing the way that we experience our present circumstances at our deepest level. And in the midst of suffering and scattering, I find joy. Joy that is inexpressible, he says, that escapes the definition of full understanding. In the midst of my suffering and scattering, when my mind is firmly rooted in my past and my future, my present is marked for what can only be described as love and affection, and loyalty, and trust for this Jesus, who while I have never seen him, has never been more real as he has in these weeks. And this, this right here is what it means to obtain the outcome of faith. It is not primarily about being right or smart, or being good, or being better, or being morally superior. It is about a a life. It is about a life marked by joy and love and faith while we wait for the full appearance of what we right now hope for. And speaking of hope, Peter talks about that. He says all of this is made possible because of Easter. All of this is made possible because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. 
this, this transformed present that is driven by a prophetic past and anchored in a secure future, Jesus says, Peter says, is, is, is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter says that God the Father, according to his great mercy, has initiated something brand new in creation through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus has made it possible to be born again to a living hope. This phrase, born again, is curious when it first hits your ear, unless you think about really what it means. Being born again means the totality of transformation and the radical reorientation of life that Jesus demands. Doesn't ask for politely, doesn't send you like a little note like we send each other in middle school, check yes or no. No, Jesus says that to be one of his people, to follow him, to be a Christian, demands totality of transformation and a radical reorientation of life to such a great degree that it's like being born again and starting life all over again. And that doesn't just mean, it does, it does mean freedom from past mistakes. And it does mean freedom from spiritual strongholds of your past. And it does mean freedom from crappy ways of thinking. But you know what else it means? It means everything that I think I know about life has to be rethought because I'm starting at infancy. A total transformation, a radical reorientation of life. It is so significant and so all-encompassing that the New Testament language for this is born again. And we emerge from the womb, our life anchored in a living hope. See, here's what's happening in crisis. It's, it's what happens in every crisis. What we clung to, what we believed in, what we trusted is proven untrustworthy. It, it's, a, it's a hope that does not sustain. In fact, what we're discovering in this season is that what we hoped in and what we hope for is essentially a dead hope. A dead hope. Did you put your trust in your job? Well, good luck advancing the career ladder when you got your kids screaming behind you every time you unmute the Zoom call and you can barely get an email out while you're trying to teach your kids math. Did you put your trust in the success of your kids? It's really hard to do that when you can't get your kid near a soccer field or near an award ceremony. Did you put your trust in your relationships and in pleasing people? It's hard to be having a secure foundation and pleasing others when you can't get within six feet of them to, to run away from your internal fear and, and to obsessively meet their needs. Whether it was money or, or power or sex or competition or justice or being liked or being loved, in the middle of March, we awoke to a world that was holding a funeral for our hope. And there in the front of the room were all the caskets of the things that we rested in and hoped for and trust in. But if we had eyes to see, and God wants you to see this this morning, and he is moving in your home and in your device to open this up, he would want you to see that sitting in the back of that funeral is the living Jesus whose resurrection makes him a living hope. A hope that really can bear the weight of a soul who really can bear the weight of your life. 
This crisis has killed our hopes in lesser things and left only one hope standing, a living Jesus, a living Jesus who invites us to be born again into a prophetic past, a story that was being told long before you were born, a story of of heaven conspiring against you, a story of heaven holding its breath, watching what you will decide to do in the next minute. It's a story of a, a secure future that no matter what happens, I can rejoice in suffering, know that I am anchored to a living hope, and that radically transforms my present as I engage in love and, and joy and trust in him. And so this morning, I tell you, you did not tune into this live stream by accident. This morning, I tell you, you did not tune into this live stream by accident. If you know Jesus, if you know Jesus, if you have claimed Jesus as your living hope, Jesus wants to come alongside of you and to transform this gloomy, awful period of shelter in place. He wants to transform it and hope you find joy in it. But if you don't know Jesus, oh, listen. Listen, Jesus is longing for you to know him the way that he knows you. And there is no magic formula. There is no magic series of words. What God is looking for this morning is for a simple yes. Let me pray um, to end this time. And... uh, as we do, here, here's what I want to invite you to do. We, we want to be people who don't just let the thrill of this morning go on so we can eat our ham. We want to be hearers of the word and doers. And so if God's gotten your attention some way this morning, maybe you know him and you've been allowing your current vision of your circumstances to drive your living and believing, can I invite you to tell someone in your house or via text message, I need a change of a frame of mind this morning. I need to fight for joy. And maybe some of you are just suddenly coming to the conclusion that maybe you thought you knew and loved Jesus your whole life, and now you're realizing, wait, that was all a farce. Or maybe you've never heard this before and you want to say yes to Jesus. Would you please say something in the comments? Would you please message us on our Facebook page so we can come alongside of you in the days ahead? That you would find a living hope. Let me pray. Jesus, you are our living hope today on this Easter Sunday. And for that, we say alleluia, we say hallelujah, we say thank you, we say blessed be the God and Father who thinks of these things for us. And so Jesus, would you interrupt people in a way that is lasting and forever today in the same way that when that that stone rolled away and your glorified foot stepped, stepped out of the tomb, everything changed, would that be the same today? Would things be different?